In our third meeting, Jason and I talk about Kevin Keller's vision of the modern world and where the digital economy might be heading. Kevin Keller's unique technological viewpoint has allowed him to predict the animal it's grown to be today. You're listening to Digital Bacon FM. Yes, curiosity killed the cat down to earth. Of course, that's the perfect introduction for our marketing gurus joining us on the line from Hong Kong. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Jason. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. And yourself? No complaints from me, although it's a bit cold in Hong Kong at the moment. I understand the sun is shining in uh, beautiful Underberg. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful day today. Right. Intellectual yeah. Heroes, the second in the great tale of Stephen Barnes. Okay. Um, well, I've got four primary intellectual heroes, and I've got, uh, if I may be so disrespectful to the <laughs> said uh, venerable gentleman, uh, Mr. Claire Christensen, I've got a, uh, a, 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 a fifth one who uh, doesn't uh, fall into the bracket of intellectual hero, mm. uh, although he certainly is an intellectual hero. Uh, that's Claire Christensen. Um, so today we're going to talk about um, uh, Kevin Kelly. Yes. Um, who uh, had a profound uh, impact on my thinking when I was doing the research, looking for uh, a way to figure out how the Internet really works. So um, Kevin Kelly was the founding editor, a founding editor of Wired magazine, and um, uh, he's a, a profound writer and a profound thinker. He's a very sort of, you know, quiet public intellect and he doesn't put himself out there that much but um, his thinking has been absolutely pivotal for me and uh, it kind of all started um, when I uh, came across a book that was prompted actually through some of my readings with uh, Seth Godin um, to read a book called uh, New Rules for a New Economy Mm. Uh, and he wrote that book in 99, I believe it was. Uh, and I read that book uh, about 90, excuse me, 2012, I guess it was when I first uh, uh, was able to access it. Uh, and basically, the, the thing about this book was he laid out in sort of 12 parts, really, so big a part in 10 parts about, uh, you know, what this new economy, this new connection economy thing was going to sort of really be all about and this was you know going back to 1999 before the modern internet had really sort of materialized and manifested itself for the way that it has now was um, he, and the sorry, upshot so, mm-hmm. sorry was it was he looking yeah. at it from from a technical a technological point of view as opposed to godin's from a marketing point of view um well no he wasn't looking at it from a technological point of view he was looking about the impact on society okay. and how the availability of ubiquitous connections what that would mean for the way that society is ordered mm. um and so what was what was so compelling about the reading for me um of this book was that essentially what he did was he projected forward essentially about 50 years from 1999 saying that uh, you can expect all of these things to sort of you know happen um and uh when i was reading it somewhat 11 12 years after he'd written it uh, and i was able to sort of look at that decade or so to see what had happened in the intervening period 1999 to then when i was doing the reading everything that he said uh, we'd expect to happen was starting to happen. Hmm. So you didn't have to be Einstein to then think, well, okay, so if he's projecting forward another 40 years from this, well, what does the next 10 or 20 years look like, right? Hmm. Uh, so he basically gave me a roadmap to understand how uh, the digital economy was going to turn into the animal that it is today hmm. uh, and uh, has, has proven uh, really completely, uh, fully the tests of time. 
Yeah, now I saw another snippet in the news yesterday, Amazon looking for their second global headquarters. The figures that they bring to a city are astronomical. It's it's well, mind-blowing. Well, well, this is this is right, and you know, this is part of Kevin Kelly's sort of ideas. You know, he's he's saying things like, um, you know, the 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 moment that you put yourself into a place where you are um, engendering connections, the fact of of having had a, a made a one connection means automatically the networks of that connection that you've got. Uh, that, 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 that you have uh, those network they, that extended network becomes available to you and mm. so on ad infinitum mm. um, which was you know completely unique because you know prior to that in the industrial economy it was all about one-to-one transactions and you know you had very limited opportunities to um, sort of leverage the relationships that you were cre- you were creating you know on an ongoing basis just because yeah. there wasn't the techni- technological or the sociological means for those to um, to propagate but but now with the connection economy, because you can propagate all of these um, these connections and uh, and leverage all of these network networks, uh, central centralized power essentially sits at the hut of the nub of that network. And what Amazon recognised all those years ago. Because uh, I was wondering what was going on when there was just um, you know bookseller. Um, mm. So what they recognised all those years ago, and I suspect what they learned all of those years ago when they started off with books, is that there is a, a sort of a, a sociological and an, a, an economic and, and a logic and a um, technological uh, undercurrent to the way that society is organised, mm. uh, such that network effects are going to creep in, and it's all going to ultimately consolidate into sort of monopoly type situations. And in a very small way, the decisions that I've been making with the Hong Kong Visa Centre and uh, the intelligent content marketing, uh, that business that we're building at this point in time, the decisions that I've been making are 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 leading to the consolidation of these networks and uh, and uh, eventually sort of monopoly over time. Mm. It's just the, the natural trend if you understand how these things work. And Kevin Kelly uh, set that all out for me in 1999 with his book New Rules for a New Economy, which Jason, by the way, is available uh, for free download <laughs> on the web. And it's for free. PDF. So, yeah, I know you like your power of power free. Power free, baby. Yep. Power um, of free. I want. I wonder if you went back to 2000. If somebody said an online retailer is going to make the richest man in the world, old Jeff Bezos. No, I, I don't think anybody would predicted that. I mean, they completely disrupted buying around the world. Bricks and mortar. Well, that's, that, that's a great. That's a, that, that, that's a great point, right? But then you see, it's one of those things where if you were to have predicted, say, five years ago that you'd be able to pull out your mobile phone and then have five minutes later a, a car, chauffeur-driven car to take you from A to B at a, at a cost probably you know marginally more expensive than a taxi, but but with a, with far better certainty of, uh, of um, knowledge that you're going to get where you need to go because mm. you never know whether you're going to get a taxi or not, right? Sure. If anyone would have said that five or six years ago, you'd have gone, no, 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 that's not really it's barely conceivable Mm. but as these things materialize after the fact you know you look back and you can point your finger at them and say well that was so obvious really wasn't it and that that's the connection economy game right is to sort of you know be able to create a proposition in whatever you're doing and then five or six years later after you've manifested that proposition have your tribe that have emerged at that point or anyone that's interested to know you know what you're doing and how you've done it have them sort of point to it and go yeah, yeah, that makes all perfect sense. Why didn't I think of that? 
Well, I think all of these businesses that have come along, and I know you're talking about Uber and many of the apps that are quite similar, as well as Amazon and all of them, are all reliant on technology and the internet by and large. I well, mean, you, you, well, you wouldn't have been well, able to do it without a smartphone. Your, your Uber would have been your left hand or your right hand flagging down a, a car company. And these are the, these are the, just the, the, the more sophisticated um, sort of manifestations of how the connection economy has been harness, uh, harnessed. Mm. Um, but I, I, have a, I have a bigger question for you today, just touching on the point that you've made, is that can you describe to me any kind of business that you might wish to open today or would uh, be open today that doesn't in any way, shape or form uh, touch the Internet? I I only really know food and beverage from a from a business owner and a business management kind of way, and ultimately, um, the business of F and B is about delivering memorable experiences and consistent experiences. Obviously, the marketing aspect of that is reliant on social media, on the internet, on the website for location. But I've always viewed a website as something that people go to once they find out where you are, they find out what you serve. And then that relationship is developed over time by building confidence with people who come in and sit and eat with you. And, you know, the the most powerful form of advertising for F&B is still word of mouth. Of course, there are online review platforms and we can debate whether they're positive positive or negative. And you you know as well as I, I, I do that everybody's a publisher, so it's given everybody voice. But I don't know if that's been positive as, as much as it's been negative. Well, that's that's true, that, that's true. But you know, to take your point there about uh, F and B being about delivering experiences with 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 outreach today via social media, the ability to basically pop yourself in front of anybody's news stream or into their inbox or mm. or sort of anywhere where you'd expect to command their attention, um, you've got uh, a very uh, well, you've got an amazing opportunity to develop an uh, an experience for your client before they even walk through the door to have the food served to mm. them, right? Sure. And and after they've had the experience uh, that you've delivered to them, you've still got the ability to communicate with them after the fact and then continue to deliver an experience. So you've got both an F&B sort of in-house experience and then you've got your virtual experience before and after the, um, after, after the, sort of the, uh, the F&B in-house visit. So it just seems to me that, you know, some creative thinking uh, in, in any old um, sort of, you know, stoic business line, uh, the internet and the connection economy gives you massive new opportunities to do something new, interesting and remarkable. Sure. I think I think there are some businesses that are limited by it in that um, food is probably one of them. You know, hotels, I think, are another, although the likes of TripAdvisor and uh, similar platforms have done wonders for hotels because they position hotels in, in ways that travel agents never had the opportunity to do. Um, I think it's one of those things that it's an experiential thing. It's not like going online and saying, I'd like that book instead of me having to go to XYZ retailer. I push a button, they've got my details, and in two to three days, it's mine. Uh, it's made us a little lazier in that respect, but it's also given us what we want much, much quicker. Um, and I don't well, think the same far, applies far. to F&B in, in that way because it's, it's an experiential thing and you've actually got to get in your car and go somewhere. But, of course, you wouldn't know about it unless you lived locally. Um, and that is one thing that the Internet's done. It's exposed uh, businesses basically worldwide if people mm. have an interest to look. Well, Seth, Seth Golden, just to carry that forth, 
thought a little bit further forward. Seth Godin cites in one of his videos an example of a um, of a chef, for want of a better description, who on, <laughs> had a, a very very special. Well, because I'm, I'm not sure that you would describe him in that way, but uh, um, for want of a better description, I'm going to call him a chef. But what he what his capability, what his what his uh, product was, was to produce smoked meat of a particular type. Mm. Um, and you know the the industrial economy way to produce smoked meat and is to you know get yourself some premises, uh, hang a shingle outside, get get all the, uh, the 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 kit inside that you need to get inside to produce the smoking effect, and then uh, and then expect that people are going to walk past your front door, like what the shingle has to say, enjoy the smell. Um, Mm. wafting out through the front door and we'll, we'll come and buy from you but what he did was instead of running the risks of all that ahead of sort of project investment um yeah he uh he, he basically cooked the stuff at home and then used the power of the web to develop a tribe uh and then sell enough to the point where he could after he'd canvassed the tribe uh understand that he could make a uh a success of this, establishing a retail operation and was able to uh, crowdsource the location of the uh of, of the operation based on the uh, de- demographic reach that he'd attained through his social media endeavors and distance to his home and traffic and all the rest of the stuff you'd expect to get anyway so the upshot was that he, uh, he in a sense he put the cart before the horse uh, and ended up afterwards you know getting uh, Cinderella's golden um, golden carriage out of it hmm. yeah I think tech- technologies is obviously been a bonus especially with uh, preservation for packaging and of course for transport um, you know big companies now ship ship product all over the world and it's food based uh, you know go back 30 40 years and they couldn't have done that no so 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 back to back to my intellectual hero kevin kelly right so he wrote that book in 1999 and that 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 set me thinking and that gave me ideas and i was able to do what i was able to do and then uh 2012 i think it was uh 2000 now what are we in now 18 gosh time's flown on Mm. two or three years afterwards i forget when he published it he wrote another book called what technology wants yeah you gave me that it was 2010 Right. There you go. So it's proven to be the most uh, most influential reading that I've ever done on this thing called the connection economy because it made me understand really what's going on. And in in, in what technology wants, Kevin Kelly talks about the technium. Hmm. It's a, a phrase that he's coined to describe the human condition today as a result of millennia of technological developments in our hands starting off with say the first technology that humans evolved was one might argue is say language Mm. because once you know the human species evolved language we could now communicate and when we could communicate we could stop being intellectual silos and we could exchange ideas so in in a sense the very early network effects were coming into play at this point so if you think about sort of, you know, the evolution of the human species, language starting first and then moving through, um, you know, all the other uh, key milestones of uh, the, the human technological condition, um, fire, obviously, uh, more recently, let's say, um, writing. And then after writing, there was um, uh, printing yep. and then there was mainframe computers and then uh, uh, mini, com- mini computers and then standalone PCs and then local area networked computers and then we ended up with you know all these computers talking to each other and then you had smartphones and then the internet of things and so throughout all of this what's gone on essentially is that the human condition has been augmented by this huge machine called the internet 
that the human humanity is plugged into the internet through all the nodes um, you know, via our smartphones or our points of access to, to, to the internet. And that, that, that machine is the summation of all human knowledge and endeavor. And it's being programmed in real life every single day through all the, you know, the actions of humans on this, right? So we've got this huge, huge, huge machine that, that, that we're all essentially plugging into as we go. For example, right now I'm, I'm wearing a Fitbit. Um, I'm new to the Fitbit game. But the Fitbit game together with the Fitbit device together with the Fitbit app gives me for the first time the opportunity to, to, to monitor what's happening to me biologically as I go through, you know, a fitness um, uh, metamorphosis as I get older. Um, so I've now kind of, you know, as a classic example, I've now kind of become wedded to the Internet in so far as, you know, how many calories I'm eating each day goes and how many calories I'm burning and how many steps I'm taking and how many floors of uh, steps I'm walking up and all this kind of stuff. Mm. So I'm becoming sort of fused in a sense into this machine in that small way. Um, and then when you think, you know, that we've cracked the DNA code and the DNA code is basically just the digital, right, representation of the biological in the human human species. So so the, the DNA is digital. And now because it's we've been able to convert biological information into digital information, we can process that information and we can do things about it, right? And we can, you know, we're now growing things like artificial, um, you know, human structures. For example, I saw... Uh, on YouTube the other day, a video talks about uh, how to grow a, a new ear from the DNA of someone who's lost an ear. And, and, and for all practical purposes, produce an almost, you know, um, identical replica of, of soft tissue that, that originated with the, you know, the person who's lost the ear, the DNA of that person. And then, you know, stuff that's going on about um, replacements of organs and, and the, spe the speed at which the world is moving now. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to think, well, you know, 100 years from now, where are we going to be? What is this all going to eventually sort of look like? Well, it seems to me that if we're all plugging into this, um, into this thing called the Internet, either as I'm doing in a simple way from the perspective of my Fitbit devices and the way that I communicate with people, obviously. Um, and if, you know, uh, science generally is now taking advantage of, of, um, of the digital realm and the connection economy and the computing power and, you know, all the summation of human knowledge and endeavor that's available to, to the artificial intelligence and, and machine learning initiatives and all the rest of that good stuff, mm. it's inevitable, right, that there's going to be a place for everybody on the internet that is uniquely their own. And so if you've got a particular skill, knowledge or experience that uh, is, is in a sense, you know, unique to you or you can publish to that that niche in, in such a way to show that you've got expertise in that niche and the other people who have expertise in that niche don't understand how the internet works – if you get there first and you publish in a way that helps people answer questions and solve problems and allows them to achieve the jobs to be done that need to get done, and you put down a platform of material that essentially helps humans achieve the outcomes that are inherent in the material that you've shared widely on the web, then you know, you're essentially going to dominate that niche and you're going to create a monopoly in that niche. No. Uh, and so what I took away from, from, from what technology wants by Kevin Kelly is this idea that, that the human condition 
dictates that it's inevitable we are all going to be fused into the web. And today, through publishing, which is the early way to go about creating a fusion into the web, um, it's accessible to everybody. So I've been able to be successful because, you know, amongst other things, I was able to understand this essential trend over time that Kevin Keller put me onto. Okay, so if we have a look at how you've uh, created a monopoly in your space, you've understood what Kelly was saying, you've created a vast amount of content, you've answered questions that people are likely to ask, and you are republishing questions that they do ask, which reinforces everything that you've done over the last uh, five to eight years. How would somebody come along and disrupt you? Would it be possible for them over a short space of time to generate as much content as you have to actually now appear as competitive as you are? Well, throw throw enough money at anything um, and enough time, then, you know, for example, anybody could replicate Wikipedia if they decided that they wanted to, you know, go to all that trouble. Mm. Um, so, you know, the same analysis applies, right? And what I think will happen um, is, if going through my own um, particular instance so far, is that when you competition, see what you've done, Firstly, they kind of they throw when they see what you're doing, they kind of throw their hands up and say, "I'm not quite sure what that's all about, but I'm not sure that I want to do that." But I'm bigger than him, and it's not going to be a problem. So let's just not do too much about it. But even after the passage of time, once you're starting to represent, you know, the serious threat that you do represent, um, then uh, you know the competition are going to look at what you're doing and they're going to say, "Well, given how far they've come and what they are really all about, uh, is it really worth our while?" in a sense, starting from scratch and, in, you know, sort of redoing the Wikipedia all over again. Why, mm. why would we do that? They might they might seed uh, that niche uh, and then go into sort of other, other niches and sort of try and emulate what you're doing in those other niches. Mm. Logically, that, that's the thing that you do. But, but what I've come to understand is that um, your competition that are still operating in the industrial economy, they don't think logically. Uh, that is, they don't think the way that you do because they're not understanding what you're doing and they don't have the insights that you have and they haven't done the you, they haven't done the reading that you have and it's not immediately apparent to them what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it in the way that you are. Mm. Uh, so they don't see any value in doing that, not least because they've always done it one particular way and it's always served their interests. Uh, and what these people tend to do instead is instead of coming in with a completely new innovation or perhaps emulating what we've already done or what you might be doing at that time, is engaging something that Clay Christensen calls as um, sustaining innovations. And that sustaining innovation is essentially where you decide that you're going to uh, continue to sell products and services that you've got for your existing customers. There's just improvements on the existing products and services. Mm. The problem with that is there's no growth in that, right? Because somebody buys, somebody, somebody bought, who bought this year's products is not going to buy next year's product. No. So there's no there's no latent, latent inherent growth in that. You can't enter new markets with it. But, you know, for 40, 50, 60 years, however long these businesses have been operating in the industrial economy for, they've, they've, they've known one pattern of how they do business, and that's what they're used to. And so they reach into the same old toolkit every single time and expect to get, you know, the same sort of outcomes, not really understanding the disruptive nature of what's going on through the connection economy. Now, if you're an individual, as you said earlier, and you have a unique skill, how do you stand out in a sea of internet noise? 
Well, what you've got to do is first and foremost do a content audit and find out exactly, you know, who's who's got a kind of presence on the internet that serves uh, the niche that you're in. And if there's anyone on the internet that's producing an absolutely brilliant content proposition and you've got no means to produce content that's 10 times better than them, then, then, then give up. Don't go after it. You're wasting your time. Mm. What you have to do at that point is to identify a niche or another niche or a sub-niche and then produce a content proposition that, that's 10 times better than that that's being presently parlayed via the web or via the closest competitor who would otherwise be doing that stuff, and then keep publishing to it. And that's how you go about that, because there are gazillion and one niches in uh, in the world, and it's just a question of you choosing uh, the niche that you want to go into and, and understanding the size of that marketplace and how big that tribe is going to be uh, and what the value exchange is going to be as a result of you, you know, parlaying what you know to help them answer the questions and solve their problems and achieve their objectives and get the jobs to be done done now if um kelly was prescient what what has he predicted for the next 10 15 years that, that you've that you've taken into account and how will you apply that to your business well well it's not so much that he's um he's predicted you know like what the net what uber version number two is going to look like um it's essentially all the kind of stuff that we're seeing emerge now like airbnb and uber um all of those things are natural results of individual entrepreneurs looking at sort of new and more efficient ways of doing things that have always been done uh, and using the power and understanding of the connection economy to bring about those outcomes. Mm. Um, so so Kevin, Kevin Kelly gives you a kind of a, a toolkit of, of ideas, um, both in what technology wants and in new rules for a new economy uh, that you can sort of, you know, chew down on and think about both in terms of, you know, what you understand about the world today and how it works and also what you know better than everybody else. Uh, and then make some decisions about, you know, uh, how your future looks predicated on, you know, your insights by knowing the market that you're in uh, as well as you do. Because remember, everybody who doesn't have the insights into the marketplace that you have, uh, they can't compete against you. So your actual realm of competition is actually quite small when you get right down to it. Um, and then if you think about um, the makeup of those competitors and how well entrenched they are in the industrial economy and how up to their necks in, in the industrial economy modality they operate in very very difficult for them to um, to, to engage in, in in disruptive innovation and uh, and cannibalize their own revenues and reinvent the way that they've always seen the world so your uh, your competitive pool doesn't have to be that great but it, what it ultimately boils down to is understanding your niche and them um, and, uh, and understanding the the good stuff that kevin kelly and all my other intellectual heroes have to say and uh, and leveraging and getting on with it now if somebody wanted to go back and read uh, kelly's works where would you point them just Google, easy, straightforward. Kevin Kelly, new rules. Kevin Kelly, technium. Mm. Uh, most of this stuff has been covered on, on the YouTube videos as well. So, um, uh, yeah, go watch him. He's a great, uh, he's a great speaker and uh, uh, gets my utmost respect, obviously. Excellent. Now, who are we chatting about next week? Um, okay, next week, why don't we talk about the venerable Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's, Warren Buffett's business partner? Yes, you've, you've always um, mentioned his takeaway and his one uh, principle in business that I've always thought was a great one. Treat the golden you. rule? Yes, that one. Yeah. Good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's yeah. catch up same time, same place next week. Um, I look forward to that one, actually, because um, you've always spoken very highly of him. You actually did a talk about it not so long ago. I did indeed, yeah.
Good. Thank you very Great much stuff, indeed, sir. Mr. Barnes. We shall catch up soon. And if not before, we'll uh, chat to you next Friday, 10 a.m. our time. Digital Bacon FM. Now that you've found out how technology has forever changed humanity, I hope you've also found some clues in this episode about how to take advantage of these changes. Stay tuned for the next episode of the podcast when we'll discuss the influence and ideas of Charlie Munger. Mm-hmm.